what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Brothers in Tech is a weekly podcast focused on personal and home technology, helping provide you, our fellow brothers and sisters in tech, with some information, assistance, and recommendations. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. This is our show about home, family, personal technology, and it is called Brothers in Tech because there are two people on the screen or in your headphones that both have the same last name. And uh, yes, it's true. The rumors are true. We are brothers. So <laughs> let's put let's put the let's put the speculation to rest right now. It's, it's all over the internet. It's all yeah. just the rumors yeah. are flying. Let's just go ahead and put it to rest. Yes, we are actual brothers. I am Alan Jackson. That is Brian Jackson. We may live in different states, different sections, different time zones of the country. Right, right. But uh, we still get together once a week to discuss technology because that is all we really have in common. <laughs> no, it's okay. yeah. We actually have a lot more in common, but well, notice I notice notice I did not argue with you. Your, your statement. Um, I mean, we have the same parents. We have the same sibling, and we like technology. <laughs> so that, that's that's about it. Yeah. Uh, Nope. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. That's okay. <laughs> good. So we get together once a week. We're talking technology, home, personal, family technology. We don't get into the corporate stuff. We don't talk big futuristic ideas. We're talking about nuts and bolts stuff that people can use and are using today. And uh, every time we get together, Brian, we 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 either have like one particular topic we like to chew on, or maybe we're doing some recommendations. Sometimes though, we we just it's a little bit of a grab bag of different items of news items of interest to us that we've come across in talking about technology. And that is what today is. Actually, it's going to be Alan's bringing up news items and getting Brian's reaction because Brian, A, uh, did no prep work for this episode. I'm just going to go on record with that. And then B, even the prep work that I did, you're not able to pull up and see on your end for whatever reason due to some sort of syncing issue. So yeah, you, uh, didn't, you, really you didn't share are, it correctly. Mm-hmm. You really are That's completely in the dark on this show. And uh, I honestly have no idea what we're going to talk about. This is exciting. I, <laughs> I have I have no idea. And uh, yeah, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Um, you know, people people think this is you say grab bag. I say lack of preparation, whatever. I mean, I think it's called. Um, yes, we, we both don't have, have any idea what to talk we about. Have, it's like it's, it's called. We both have day jobs that we tend to, and then we have uh, a very, very limited amount of time to prep for Brothers in Tech. So this is what we do. I do a Google search, what's some cool home technology news, and boom, there we go. Now we're going to talk about them. So, You know, this is really dangerous though, right? If this uh, becomes that, like our best episode ever, right? like you mean if we have like eight downloads? <laughs> like literally, if we double our viewership by going from like four to eight, then there's a chance that we will look and say, you know, the whole preparation thing <laughs> makes really zero sense. So yeah, we, uh, well, this is a good experiment. You know, I, I wouldn't completely argue with the, the fact that maybe this is successful. So if I don't have to prep, um, and if I can I'm do totally my prep work with a Google search in five minutes, 
I think uh, we may be onto something. We may Maybe. be onto. Let's just let's see how it goes. Yeah, that's true. The, let's see what that's the reaction true. is before we start jumping on that bandwagon. <laughs> um, so here's what we're going to do, Brian. I've got several topics to bring up. These are all home technology, personal technology related things. Uh, first up, I always like to kind of start us off talking about whatever's going on in our own lives when it comes to technology and anything okay. that we want to share. If you recall, this is going to be a harken back to the past two episodes. There's been a little bit of an ongoing discussion about me tracking workouts on my Apple Watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. As, as a reminder to everybody, this is a this was two weeks ago. I posed an issue saying, "How can I have it to where my my watch or my phone is automatically tracking when I start or stop a workout?" Because I'm all about closing those rings, baby, and. Uh, <laughs> If I don't get my workout tracked, it is not a fair representation of what I actually completed that day. And I, I always forget to turn on and off the, the workout itself on my watch and say I'm starting a workout and I'm finishing one. So I was told both by a listener and by you this past mm -hmm. week that, yes, there are the, the watch is capable of automatically detecting when you start a workout. Right. I tested this and uh, you're... You're partially correct. You are correct. I mean, in theory, that is what it's supposed to do. Um, I was on a started on a walk, and it was like almost 12 minutes in before it popped mm -hmm. up. Hey, are you on a walk? And I'm like, yep, I've been on a walk for 12 minutes now, but that's fine. So it did do that. It did. But, and you said, and did you click yes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it backked up, and, and it backed and it up clocked right. the whole 12 minutes I'd Good. been on there. So that worked fine. Uh, rowing, it also did that as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it made me nervous. It, didn't, it was, didn't take 12 minutes though. No, no, but it did get close to the end of my time on the row. I'm like, okay, it's, it is going to, it is going to notice that I'm doing this right. Wait, 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 wait. I say it doesn't take, it didn't take 12 minutes and you said, oh no, no, but it was toward the end of your time. How, how long were you on the, <laughs> how long were you on the row? On, on just the rowing Five minutes. Yeah, I'm on the. I mean, I'm I'm doing multiple things here in this the course of this time, Brian. But on the rowing machine, I'm on there like ten or twelve minutes. But it's it's going pretty hard okay. on the ten or twelve okay. minutes. Man. <laughs> I get my thirty minute workouts in in the okay. morning. This okay. is my day. All right, all right. I'm, ten, I'm, about five to ten minutes of or about ten minutes of it is rowing intensive. I thought you were going to say something like, "Are you going to?" I have a I have a two minute workout. And yeah. it was like a minute and fifty before it, it noticed. I know it didn't walk. even notice till like almost ten seconds away from the end of my workout. Okay, no, it, all right. But it, but I did have the problem where me just doing free weight uh, exercising, it wasn't going to pick that up, so I had to yep. go manually start yep. that. Here's what I kind of am understanding. I think my issue is my uh, my Apple Watch's battery is very very bad right now so mm -hmm. i i i have a series three which um you know is in terms of a age, it's, it's a little it's a little out there yep but it, it's basically where i cannot keep this on all day anymore i mean i have mm -hmm. to either charge it when i get home from work and i'm just kind of leaving it charging because i do wear it at night it is my alarm in the morning i am tracking my sleep during the night so I have to kind of stage my my charging a couple different times during the evening throughout the day. And I think that has a little bit to do with it because I'm running really low on battery by the time I'm in the morning and doing my workout. It's in the red zone. It is telling me, hey, it's it's close. So I think that's part of my issue is I think my, my watch is just it's old and the battery is really bad shape. Um, not holding up really good at all. 
So this leads me to what I'm going to bring up. Have you ever tried to replace the battery on an Apple Watch or even an iPhone or iPad or any other no. device? Nope. Okay. Now, no, I have seen the battery on an Apple yep. Watch, but not um, yep. purposely. Right. Uh, Same no, here. I ac- accidentally popped off the screen of my watch yep. and I've seen it, but I have never tried to do anything with it. That happened with my wife's. So I saw the same innards that you did. Yep. Um, Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, I have had a battery replaced on my iPhone a couple of times over the different iPhones I've had because it gets to the point where the the phone is not able to stay at a good battery level throughout the entire day. I'm like, okay, I've got, you know, the battery life has dropped significantly. I'm, I'm, it's eight o'clock at night and it's about ready to shut off. And I'm like, no, I, I need it to keep going. That's normally my sign. that The battery is bad, especially if it gives a warning sign saying your battery has been severely degraded. Yeah. So I have, I've just taken those to a shop. There's a shop in town. That's an Apple authorized uh, repair shop and they will put in a new battery and replace it. And it's all good to go. So I've had that a couple of times with a couple of phones I've owned. I'm getting ready to do it with an iPad that I've got because I've got an iPad pro, the original iPad pro and it's battery. It just goes so quickly. Now I I can use it for maybe half an hour and it's down to 30%, you know, the battery left. So I know my retailer can also do that. They can replace the battery on the iPad, which I wholeheartedly recommend anybody. If you are seeing your battery life diminish, don't automatically think that that means you need a new phone or a new tablet. It really could be that the battery, if you're someone who uses your device on and off, on and off all throughout the day, you could be deteriorating that battery faster yeah. than maybe the average user is. So the battery replacement could be the saving grace for you. Uh, and a lot of Apple retail shops or places can do it. I think I, I paid maybe $70 for a battery replacement, which is not bad. Okay. Hey, a lot better than a new phone, for sure. Yep, yep. But here's the thing. Apple Watch, um, my my shop will not will not do a battery replacement on that. So I had to do a little research, and I'm going to show you. Have you ever uh, visited the iFixit website? I have. Not recently, yeah. but yep. Okay. So iFixit is a great website. It is a site where basically it can give you not only instructions on how to do some of your own repairs to uh, computer devices, phones, tablets, computers, and so forth. But also they now sell kits if you want to do some of the repairs yourself. Okay. So this is actually an Apple Watch Series 3 GPS, which is mine, a battery replacement and replacement toolkit for $30. Okay. Okay. Comes with the battery, which is right there, that little guy right there. Yeah. Comes with all the other tools you need to make it work. That is actually a heating uh, pad, so it actually heats up, mm-hmm. and that is what you lay on. Release the glue, right? That's right. Release the glue. That's going to be the adhesive on there. So, all this kit, you know, twenty nine ninety nine, thirty dollars. And I am about to pull the trigger and try to mm. do this because, to me, I don't, I don't need a new watch. I'm perfectly happy with the size and the features. The only thing I use the watch for is it's truly look at what time it is. See if I'm getting text messages from people so I can at least glance and figure out who it is. Yep. So when I'm getting phone calls from people and then tracking my exercise and, and workouts, that's it. That's all. I, I don't do any interaction on the phone beyond that. 
So to me, 30 bucks, if I can do this, uh, I'm, I'm going to do this. And again, it's ifixit.com is the website. So my question, Brian, should this be a future episode where I actually do this live on the episode? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Well, or, or depending on how much pressure that is for you, you do it, video it so we can potentially yeah, skip forward, skip forward yeah. on it because that's true. That's, that's a lot of pressure. Though. That's a lot. Well, of and I don't know how long it's going to take either. Right. So, right. Um, anyway, this will be something I will report back on. So have if you, have you read that, any reviews on it? Have you read any reviews on people that have done it? <clears throat> Alan? Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I have no doubts that you could do it. And I have no doubts that it would work afterwards. My major concern. And one of the reasons I have never really even thought about doing this for a watch is waterproofing. Mm-hmm. And how nervous I would be about waterproofing the wet, the waterproofing afterwards. Now, if you're someone who doesn't, if you don't go swimming with it, I if don't. you tend to not wear it in the shower all the time, if you're wearing it for workouts just for sweat, I would have no problems because I'm sure the adhesive is going to be fine enough for sweat okay. resistance and all of that. If you're someone who's going to go swim, I would be very nervous about hmm. letting this, assuming point. that this is going to be waterproof to the same extent. No, that is a good point. Good yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I don't use it. I don't wear it swimming. I uh, you know, don't yeah. wear it around any heavy amount of water. So I feel like I'd probably be okay, but I, yeah, I think I I'm going to so. give this a whirl. Cool. See if it saves me from investing in a new, another Apple watch right now. I'm really, I just don't have an appetite for that. Yep. I don't feel like yep. I need it. So do you know, we'll Alan, do you know, has the battery, the battery capacity changed over the last several series? Like the battery that so. you get for a series yeah. three, series four. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that they're, efficiency and all of that is supposed to improve so that you can potentially make it now through almost two days or a day and a half at least. But I'm just wondering whether where I also get a little nervous is how much of your battery loss is based on the updates of software that are Mm -hmm. kind of pulling from that series three and how much of it is based on the battery loss itself. I, so uh, good question. I, when my, when I noticed my battery was starting to get really bad, I actually did a clean install reset and install of the watch. I have no apps on it uh, other than the stock Apple apps that come with the Apple watch. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Cause that's all I need. Uh, I've turned off notifications for everything except just the text messages messages and things. And, um, in workout exercise notifications. Yep. yep. So I've really got it about as minimal as possible as I can. And it's still just as amazing to me how quickly the battery goes out. Yeah. Oh, so that, I mean, that would, yeah, that would argue that <clears throat> the battery should help a great deal. It used to be <clears throat> really throat> good. I mean, for years when I had it, I mean, I could charge it uh, just like I could charge it like an hour, hour and a half in the morning while I'm getting ready, showering, all that stuff. And it lasts me until all throughout the next night. So I don't have to charge it again until the next morning. And maybe it's like every day or two, giving it a, a an hour to two hour block of time where it could be charged. That's enough to keep it active for the rest of the day. Now it's, I could charge it in that same couple hours and by late in the day, I'm, it's out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's my hope. I will be reporting back on this to let everybody know how this goes. But again, that's ifixit.com. I do recommend if anybody feels like they are savvy enough to want to try to do some repairs on their own, they do sell um, phone and battery, uh, phone and tablet replacements 
Uh, I noticed on the phones you can get, uh, let's see, where was it? I think on the phones you can get, um, you can get kits and you can get um, just the batteries itself if you want mm. to do the battery. Like okay. if you've got all the tools you need, you just need the battery. On the iPads or tablets, I think they just sell the batteries. I have not seen a kit that they've released with all the tools and all the uh, stuff that you would need to make that work. But overall, I, I like iFixit. If nothing else, even if you're not interested in buying anything, there's so many great resources yeah. and repair guides on how to do things that uh, you can typically find most common issues uh, that are self-repairable on your devices and with instructions on how to do it. Yeah, and iFix has been around a while, and they're they're fantastic. Um, yeah. I think they've even potentially gotten a little better now that Apple has kind of released mm-hmm. a lot of the you know repairability. Um, yeah, you know documentation or the packages that you can get to to repair. So, yeah, I agree. That's it. I think in your case, it's worth a shot. I just did a quick look to see you know what what price used. Apple Watch 3 Series 3 tend to be running for, and you can get them for 75, 80 bucks. But then you're running the same question before. It's like, is this battery already bad? So if you like the form factor, you liked its functionality when it was newer, this seems to be a, a really mm-hmm. smart move. Um, you know, well, if look. you were concerned about like, hey, listen, I really love my Apple Watch uh, and I feel like I want to future-proof a little bit, I will say this is I have I've this is my second Apple Watch. Uh neither one have been purchased new. I bought an Apple Watch 3 initially, wore it until I wore it several years until I was peeling off a you know screen cover that I had on it and the entire screen popped off and <laughs> um you know I didn't have the capability at that point or the uh confidence to go and do anything <laughs> with it. So I bought another used one that was a series 4, just one step up. Um, you know, for a hundred, hundred fifty bucks or something, and yeah. and it's been fine ever since then. But I'm a, uh, you know, I, one I'm a big believer in used because I I know that there's a lot of people that are getting rid of these things that maybe have decided either they like to always have the newest and greatest, and you know, there's one that's that's pretty good on for sale. But if you can if you can replace it back to its original glory um, with thirty bucks. That seems like a pretty cool, uh, yeah. pretty cool strategy. And again, given that you don't swim with it, given that you don't necessarily need it to be uh, watertight, um, then I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm excited. And plus, I just well, want you to try it to see, you know, so I can see how it goes. Well, I think there's a little bit of morbid curiosity about it too. Totally. Um, just as before we leave this site, just I was just looking at curiosity, like an iPhone 11 battery. You know, for people, that's still a mm-hmm. relatively recent iPhone. You know, what, uh, two versions back? Um, three. Yep, three versions. Three versions back, $40. You get a whole kit, the battery, and you get all the tools you need to, with instructions on how to do it. Granted, I would have paid 70 maybe between 70 and 80 back when we had an iPhone 11, and that was a fairly recent or new model, to get it replaced by somebody else. Um, if you're so inclined and you think this is kind of fun and exciting to do, to go in and crack open your phone and replace the parts and have a feeling of accomplishment after doing it, you know, for $40, you get the tools that you get to keep obviously. Yeah. And you get the battery to replace on your phone. So uh, it's not bad. It's a good way to add some extra life to your phone. Instead just that immediate knee jerk feeling that you got to go out and buy a new phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I am excited to hear 
whether the instructions are, you know, good enough, whether yeah. there are steps in the process that, you know, are, aren't clear for you or any of that, but, uh, no, it's great. You know, my wife has a, she has a, uh, an iPhone, an older one, an SE, the small one that she loves. And I, and I know that the, f- the only frustration is the battery, uh, the battery life has gotten low over the years. So, well, there you, go. you know, the, yeah. be- the beauty of both of those is that they, yeah, that, you know, Apple watch, iPhone, you can go in and look at the battery stats and it'll tell you the battery health. And if you, I think the rule of thumb is if it shows less than 80% battery health, that it's, it's probably time to either replace it or it's, it's going to start, you know, really, um, depreciating in terms of your, your experience. So I think that's All right. Good. Um, wow. Okay. Just like par usual, Brian, that took a lot longer than I expected anything we ever talk about to do. Of course. Yeah. But that's okay. Let's move on. I, I want to go ahead and talk about some of the news items I've got. Yeah. Let's do and that. then we'll maybe circle back around and do a little catching up on some other personal stuff we're doing. Uh, but let's hit these. I'm, I'm really interested in your take on some of these. Uh, first one I'm going to bring up, first news item. Um, Segway. You know the company Segway that makes the actual Segway movers. The uh, They were the big things that um, you know even Steve Jobs was just raving about when they were released many years ago. Supposedly they were going to change the way our communities operated. Uh, they were kind of a fad for a while. There's still some floating out there people enjoy, but they really these did were the. Uh, these were the two wheels stand on, yeah. but also had handles, you know, so yeah. you were standing. So it's like the, you know, currently they've been kind of replaced with the the two wheel scooters that don't have right. a, you know, a handle, right? Yep. Same yeah. Way. It's just, you just don't see many out in the wild anymore. They didn't really catch on in the urban environment. I think like they were hoping so, but the company Segway is still manufacturing new things. And now they have the Navimo, which the name is kind of funny but it is a robot lawnmower mm, now okay. robot lawnmowers are actually kind of a big thing in the uk right now I'm, I'm understanding they have not quite made it to the u.s in terms of popularity and use but in the uk they seem to be a, a little more uh you know people using them a little more often so of course we're talking about probably the idea of smaller smaller uh a square bit footage of, of that's true of, uh, yep. uh location yep so the transporter, the Segway, is actually discontinued at this point. But the company Segway has moved on to some other devices, and one of them being the robotic lawnmower. Uh, so the idea is that right now it's available in Europe across 12 different countries. There's no news on when they're planning a U.S. launch, but the tale is that that will be happening. So, of course, as the idea of a robot lawnmower, uh, the prices, I mean, it's a little pricey. It's uh, The one out there is about 1,300 pounds, which... I don't. I forget my translation pounds to dollars, but they're it's relatively close. So I think you're looking probably fifteen hundred or more on the pricing on this. Uh, it has a lithium lithium ion battery, um, and it works just like the kind of the 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 vacuum cleaners that we're all getting more used to nowadays do, where you actually set up a zone, a perimeter for where your yard is, and it learns that yard. And so when you turn it loose, set it on your yard, it knows the yard, it knows the dimensions, it knows everything yep. about it, and it just cuts loose and goes. And um, they have said that, um, there's, to be clear, it's not a ride-on device. You cannot stand <laughs> on it. That, that's so, what I wondered when this was a Segway device, whether this yeah. was just incredibly lazy versions of, you know, riding yeah. lawnmowers. But 
That's funny. Um, they say the initial setup process the first time is uh, you get an app on your phone, you download it, you pair it with the robot va- uh, robot lawnmower, and then the you create a map kind of of your yard on the app, and mm-hmm. that's what gets transmitted to the to the to the lawnmower, and that's what it takes it and runs and does. So uh, it does not require any physical boundaries, cords, strips, or anything as any sensors. It is all done boundary uh, delineation on the app itself you set up. So, Brian, I, I'm trying to remember. I have not visited your house. I do not know the size of your yard, but I, you have a bigger yard now than you did yes, previously, did. correct? Yep, yep, I do. And and I tell you, the, the challenge with this, because I, I love the idea. I mean, I, I can't say that mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoy uh, mowing my yard. Um but my challenge is is just the same as the the fact that I can't have a um, what are the what are the um, uh, what are the uh, vacuums called the robot vacuums the Roomba Roomba so one well, that's I, one brand name yeah exactly yeah. the one reason I can't have a Roomba is, is all of my areas are separated by small staircases so mm. in my house I have you know a living room and then down a small staircase a family room and then up small staircases bedrooms. It really makes no sense for me to have unless I had three of them, one on each of our different little, right? You know, uh, areas. The same thing goes with our yard. We have three different s- sections of our yard that are actually divided by gates <laughs> and mm-hmm. divided by staircases. So for me, it makes unfortunately no sense unless I had multiples of these. Um, I love the idea, uh, and if I had one yard or maybe even two, like a front and a back, that um, that I'd feel comfortable setting this up. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, Alan, you remember, you remember we talked about these back with one of our, one of our guests back in the day, one of our friends of the show, Rob Dickerson, I think we mm-hmm. were talking with Rob where he, we were talking about lawn maintenance and some yeah. of the technology and, and uh, how these were, I think he even mentioned at the time, these were popular in Europe still, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, you know, here's, here's the beauty of it, right? One, it's timely. You can tell it when you want to do it. You can, you can, I'm sure the app will also allow you just like everything else, like sprinkler systems. If it rained a lot today, don't do mm-hmm. it. Right. Sure. I'm sure you can kind of set it up so that, you know, it's doing it. You don't have to worry about rushing out there on a dry day when you don't have the time to make things happen. Um, yeah. I would assume there are also some smart features that could eventually happen with it, where it maybe even lets you know the health of your lawn, you know, and the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe there's uh, hey, we, we notice a lot of dandelions because we have our scanner that tells us this. It seems like there's lots of cool things that it could yeah. do um, in the future. Well, um, a couple things with it too, just to kind of make sure for anybody who may be concerned about the idea of letting loose a, a device <laughs> across your yard that has a spinning high powered motor or a blade yeah. cutting. Um, there's a lot of safety features they built into it, which I'm sure is standard for any of these robotic uh, lawnmowers. But it basically does, if it sees something unexpected, something kind of comes in its path, it's going to stop and dodge it. It kind of knows that. So again, once it's laid out and got to know the yard, if something appears in that yard that it doesn't know or doesn't recognize, it can avoid it and make sure it stays clear. Uh, one thing I really like about it is it's got a really pretty high waterproof rating. So to mm. clean it, you just hose it down. Yeah, that's which great. Which is really nice. That's great. Um, so anyway, it's uh, very, very interesting. I, you know, I know these have been around for a while. We just have not here in the United States really have great 
availability to try any of these out. I've got a perfect yard right now for it. My entire front and backyard is connected by the side yard. No fences, no gates, no barriers. Yeah, I could nice. really honestly turn it loose and it could cover the entire yard. If, uh, if I just don't know how battery wise, if it has to kind of park itself and recharge for amount of time, that's what our vacuum cleaner does. If the vacuum's running low. It's like, it's going to go back to the dock. It's going to go and recharge itself. And once it's got enough charge to finish the house, then it takes off and goes and does its yeah. thing. So if it's the same thing with the lawnmower and it knows how to empty out any grass clippings, if it is collecting those, I don't know if it's just shooting them back out. Um, that's what I'm not sure about either. It seems like there would be, if you scroll down, I think it said something about accessory. And I don't know what accessory it was talking about. The 200 and something dollar. What is that? Um Oh, that's the vision sense sensor. If you needed a, uh, if you have a more complicated garden layout or you have poor satellite reception uh, then the sensors are there to absolutely make sure it stays within the boundaries of your yard. If you got don't it. have the best, yeah. a, a very uh, simple layout. So. And just for, for the listener, the $1,300, 1300 pounds is about $1,500. So there, there are close, but 15. Oh, 15. That's what, exactly what I said. I said $1,500. Yeah, nice. There you go. It's not bad. So, whoopity doo. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so my my con- my concerns are twofold. One, obviously, the safety piece is there, and I would want to make sure, just like self driving cars, that you know what are the algorithms that it actually recognizes something different. Does it? Yeah. Do, for example, is it going to stop when? Uh, and a neighbor's dog poops in your yard, is it going to stop and not go over that? Or is it going to assume that's just natural and kind of carry on yeah, and let's, let's true. get rid of it. Is it, is it, um, you know, if you have a, if you have a lot of kids and toys everywhere, you obviously you want it to be able to go around, but is there a certain point where it's like, I can't do anything right. Because mm-hmm. there's way too much out here. Does it notify you that it couldn't do anything? So therefore, you know, that, you know, there are areas that I need to go and, move that soccer ball Clear so off. that next yeah. time it could go. And I also just a little worried about um, the safety of the device itself. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming this parks into a, you know, some charger that yeah. goes and parks just like a room is going to do, but this is now outside and obviously it's accessible by other people coming into your yard and just grabbing yeah. your, your lawnmower. It's like, Hey, by the way, I see it moving around. I'm going to go grab it. Um, so it does say it has a, uh, oh, where is it? Security anti-theft alarm Okay, that you can set remotely as well. Nice. So in other words, if you get detected that the lawnmower has left your premise, you can actually trigger an alarm on it remotely. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So look, I, I'm I very it's intrigued. Yeah. It's pricey, yep. but you know, I have to really think about time costs benefit if this can truly mow my entire yard and do it on a regular basis and um, I never, I, that's time I can get back in my life. Uh, it's, it's worth, it, it might be worth the investment, but I do have to hear that it performs really well. And there's yep. not a lot of gotchas like you were bringing up yep. that could be uh, detrimental to it. I don't want something that's going to take me more time to manage and deal with sure. than it's worth. The first version of the Roomba vacuum cleaner many years ago, we had, I basically, that's the way it was. It was almost more trouble to manage it from emptying it out when it got full from uh, what happens when it hits things it didn't expect. I mean, it was just so much I had to tweak and manage with it when it was vacuuming. It wasn't worth it after a while. 
the newest ones, the one we've got right now, I haven't had to touch um, yeah, at all in nice. like nine months or so at least. So it is self-running. It empties itself. It charges itself. It's it's on it. That's what I need from a lawnmower. I need that same kind of reliability. Um, and now, what was excited. the what's the price? What's the the price progression on the Roomba from the first time you bought it to the second time you bought it? Do I don't remember? remember. Well, the one we have now is not actually a Roomba brand. Okay. It is a yep. uh, another. I don't remember the name of the brand. It is a a brand I knew nothing about, but got Roomba. good reviews online. And uh, um, uh, the one we got with the self, it, it empties itself into a, a giant charging bin. Yep. Um, it recharges itself, and I'll, I want to say it was around three fifty. Okay. Like that, so I'm assuming. So it's it feels like Roombas or uh, that type of device hasn't gone down tremendously in terms of price. Yeah. I can't imagine it. I mean, it wasn't like they were six hundred dollars to start, and now they're a hundred dollars. It's mm. it's changing from maybe three or four hundred to two to three hundred. If so, that, I'm, I'm I mean, honestly, like I this, went I went with the brand that was not Roomba because I thought Roomba was a little overpriced, and okay, this one and you're still paying had good reviews. So I'm still paying. But Grant, I got a little more of a deluxe model with the self-emptying, and it because also does wet you're kind floor. of on that extra dirty level of a person, so <laughs> yeah. you needed the. Yeah. I, I needed. I, I called them. I said, "Look, what's the one that's going to pick up the most dirt? <laughs> what's, yes, I've got right. what's the most dirt for it to pick up? <laughs> right. Um, and it's, I this need, one. I need, I need ultra sucking. Is what I <laughs> need. I really need ultra suck. <laughs> well, and this one also has the water feature where it can uh, us clean. Hardwood floor, hard floor, oh, like a mopping sort of. Yeah, yeah mopping. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mine's probably not okay. the best one to to gauge against just other robot vacuums. But uh, yeah, well, I'm just wondering, like, is, when is, is this pricing. going? Fifteen hundred. You know, two years from now, are there enough competitors to where this thing is five hundred dollars? I mean, five hundred dollars seems like a a, a pretty a pretty oh, good yeah. move, right? I mean, if you're going to go buy a lawnmower right now, even if it's a push lawnmower. Right, you're going to pay three, four, five hundred dollars mm-hmm. to be able For to have something quality, that has yeah. some, you know, has self-propelling and all that. So, yeah. I think if it gets down to the hundreds, you know, where you're in the five, six hundred dollars for something like this, then yeah. it, then it's, I think it's going to really be appealing. Um, I agree. Above that, it, you're, I mean, you, it really needs to be the perfect setup for you. You need to make sure that you're not still having to go out and do one of your sections of your yard. Um, what I what I keep thinking is, and I'm sh- I'm sure this is where it's going to go, but I would love if it were to send you a push notification after it was done and gives you a report, a visual that says, you know, everything's painted here. Like this is all, this was all cut. And here's two spots that we did not cut because there's something there. It'd be just super nice mm. to have kind of like, here's a report of what we did today. Um, or we stopped midway because battery seemed low. Uh, please come check this the next time you get a chance. And, yeah, you know, we skipped over dog poop uh, over mm. in this corner of the yard. You might want to get on that, right? Whatever. So in it other words, like, yeah. In other words, you want it to be not like my kids, which were, they got finished mowing the yard and they're just like, Oh yeah, it's all done. And I walk outside just and three I stripes, all the spots and you know, everything missing. So I need, I need a little more reliability than that. So accountability, right? You need, you mm-hmm. need accountability in your, in your lawn mowing. So yeah, exactly. Well, that, I like it. I'm, I like it. I'm truly intrigued in it uh, by this. I want to hear some good reviews of it. And 
I want it to come to the United States. So I'm ready for oh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's a couple of things in my life that if I could get automated, I would be so happy. One of them is mowing the yard. Uh, the uh, other one is, what is the other one? I think the other one is like shaving, you know, even like cleaning up stuff. If there was a oh. way to have it to where your hair could stop growing at a certain length on your face and it never grows beyond that, I'd be mm. totally happy. But Oh, you know uh, what you need, Alan? You need Lawnmower you, might be the thing. So sounds like you need a, a Groomba. A Groomba. I don't know. I just yeah. made that up. I just, just made like that up. <laughs> something that something that is already contoured to your face and you just like <laughs> place it on your face and it yep. knows exactly what distance to do on all your facial hair and all that. And then it's like you just place it on there, let it do its thing, and then you pull it off and perfectly yeah. manicured. Yeah. I, I think we've got something. I was thinking more like a little a little less low tech, but it, it kind you of think a little like thing that actually crawls along your face. Oh yeah, I was thinking like a matchbox car. Like there's a little matchbox car you set here mm. and it kind of just goes slowly like a lawnmower, you know, trims up, turns around, sends me notica- notification afterwards. It's like, by the way, here, here's all the things I did on your face just now. <laughs> here's all the things I found on your face <laughs> that I'm concerned about. What? Um I gotta imagine that would feel pretty good too. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, again, you put it on your back, and you get a little back trim, but you also get a little bit of a uh, you get a little bit of a massage. Uh, I think there's a lot of things you can do with this. That uh, the Groomba. See, you know, I need Groomba. to patent it right now. The Groomba. Write that down, please, all you listeners, everybody watching, all all of you I watching it. live. I said calm it. down, Brian. Brian has patented this idea. Do not take it and run dibs. with it. So yeah. dibs. I claim dibs. Okay, Brian, let's move on to something else. Uh, I, I realize the robot vacuum, the robot lawnmower might not be for everybody, but I feel like most people probably even listening to this show or watching um, are subscribers to at least one home entertainment streaming mm-hmm. service. And Netflix has always kind of been the, the granddaddy one of it. I mean, it's the one that kind of really got things started. You know, Netflix started as the DVD uh, um, subscription service, and then they evolved into an online version, and it just kind of took off from there. And now there are many imitators of Netflix. Um, But, you know, Netflix, uh, you and I have talked about it. We haven't been as enthusiastic about some of their offerings in a while, but, you know, I still have it. I still watch things. There's actually a show that just came on a little while ago that I'm like, well, I'm glad I've got Netflix because I wanted to see that. Um, but Netflix has announced, kind of announced, I do have to put in here, there has been some bit of retraction on this, but this is still going to happen. I guarantee it where they're cracking down now on password sharing. Okay. So Netflix was one of those services that was kind of like, eh, you know, if you share your, your account password with somebody, we're not really making a big deal about it because their calculations were the more people they've got watching it's okay. Even if they're not every single person is paying a subscription fee, they are still getting eyeballs, which means they can garner more projects and garner more films to come to it and and so forth. So they still kind of won, even if not everybody was paying their fair share. So they never really got that serious about sharing passwords. What we're talking about is you own a Netflix subscription. You've got a login and password. You give it to a family member who lives in a different household and say, Hey, you can just use this. Netflix allows you to have, I think, up to five profiles on your account. Yeah. So, you know, somebody else living in another state uh, could log in, but they could choose a different profile and they would still see different movies that they've saved and they have on their list and so forth. So it's great. But uh, Netflix is now uh, planning on rolling out 
password sharing rules. And the biggest thing about these rules is that it's going to really keep it, at least the intention right now is that it's going to be keeping it all geographic based on where your home is. Meaning they're not going to crack down on people who are using it within the same household. But if they're your password, your login and password is being used across different households geographically, that's where it's going to have some, some restrictions and conflicts on that. So I assume um, it's going to use IP addresses and it's going to use mm-hmm. location capabilities just to be able to see whether or not you're coming from the same place, right? Yep. Basically, once a month, you're going to have to verify your home location. Hmm. So the idea with this, actually, YouTube TV is a service I know that kind of does this right now. Yep. You can tell YouTube TV you're traveling and you can still use it while you're traveling. But on a certain occasion, you have to be able to check back in and say, I'm back in my home location. So it knows you just haven't given it to somebody else in a whole different state and they're using it permanently. Yep. Yep. And what we what it means is it has to say, okay, you're checking in at home. Whatever home network you're in, it can see geographically where you are. As long as that is the home that your account's set up on, you're good. It's going to do that check once a month. If it checks and your your account is being used somewhere outside of your home. Uh, and it checks. I don't know if it's going to give you a warning or what, but it's basically going to start to block at some point you being able to use that password in that other yeah. location. Yeah. Well, there on the 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 screen it says devices outside the home would be blocked, and users would be encouraged to create an account of their own okay. at a discounted rate. So basically, which is kind of nice, right? They say yeah. we know you're sharing. By the way, here's a, a chance discount. to create your own, and yeah. you know we'll we'll give you an entry level you know, chance to, to get your own. Right. So they are saying they're being very clear. They're saying a Netflix account is for people who live together in a single household. That's right. it. So any family members, I have three boys, two of them uh, do not live here. Two of them live in other places. They would not be able to use my Netflix account anymore um, yeah. with this rule. So, yeah. Yeah. Brian, it doesn't, thoughts, say it I mean, this, family. You know, it doesn't have to be family. It just needs to be, Location based. So if yeah. you have a roommate, sharing is fine. If you have, what about if it, in know, an apartment complex? Duplex. Yeah. I'm curious about like an I'm apartment wondering. complex. If mm-hmm. if there was a group all go of apartments that could all use one because geographically from a uh, GPS location, it could kind of look like they're all in the same household. Yeah. So except for the um, except for the IP address, right? The so it might could be the issue. Yeah. So it seems like if you're sharing Wi-Fi which I know some apartment folks will do, right? If they're next yeah. to each other, they share Wi-Fi, then yeah, I would assume they have no way of knowing or would ever worry about cracking down on that. If you, though, each had your own Wi-Fi, your own connection to Comcast Internet or something, I'm, sh- I'm sure it's going to kick back that you're in a different network, which means, you know, we need to, to know, yeah. we need to know that you're uh, in the same uh, in the same household. Well, as this article from uh, the Seattle Times indicates and makes it makes a good point it's saying that you know hey if you're a college student or a frequent traveler that's a challenge you know if you're yeah. someone who lives in multiple you got two houses you live in the beach and you come up to the mountains whatever that basically is going to require you and you you're a netflix user you're going to have to have two accounts at least college students will have to have one at the college and then one for when they're home well or they use the family one when they're home but they'll have to have a separate one when they're at college so it, it does start to add some complications. Now, look, I get it. I mean, I, I do. I mean, I get it. You know, sharing a Netflix password with, you know, multiple people 
is not good business for Netflix. I mean, it's just not. And I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like I'm sitting here saying, trying to justify why we should be able to share our login with like multiple people. Um, Cause I get it. I mean, you got to pay for the stuff you get, you pay for the content you get. I just think the definition of a family household can be a little, could be a little trying for some people. Yeah. Again, like I mentioned, college student, I really don't want to have to have a separate Netflix account for my son. Who's at, who's at uh, away for school. But he watches Netflix. So what am I going to do? I guess I'm going to have right. to right. just for him to be an hour and a half down the road from us. Um, so, yeah, that's a little it's a little bothersome, but I wish it was yeah. a different way for them to verify family members beyond just physical geography. Well, know? or I mean, I know you you're justifying their approach to this, but I would also maybe take the counter argument that says I I've always thought that if. If the companies are going, if this, so this is a service, this is an access service, right? You're paying for access to a service. And if they're telling you, you know what, we don't mind three different people, you know, pulling from our service at the same time. To me, if I'm paying a certain amount of money per month to get the possibility of three different people using it at once, I should be able to choose who those three people are, right? The family thing to me you know, is I don't I don't know how it cost Netflix anymore if my family member is in the next house and has their own internet compared to me and we're both accessing because if they happen to live over here, we would still be accessing the same content, the same downloads, the same streaming, right? All of that. I mean it's a it's Alan, it's it's like um you know an analogy would be we have a uh, in my neighborhood we have a uh, a neighborhood pool, right? Where you get access to the pool. And, and so when you pay for access to it, let's say I get a yearly access, it says, Hey, you know what? We're going to give you four fobs to get in to Mm -hmm. here, obviously, because we want, you know, you have multiple people in your household that are going to use it. Well, if I'm a house of two, but I'm yet, I'm paying the same price for someone who gets four fobs versus two fobs, (laughs) That to me is wrong, right? It's like, if you're going to give me four fobs, then don't worry about if it's friends or something that are going to use this because you're saying you are willing to have four of these things come in at once. It's almost like, mm-hmm. you know, who? how much access do you have? So I think that's one way to approach this. Forget about the family idea. Some of these services ought to just say, we give you three concurrent streams. So you have three logins. You use them however you want, Right. And maybe the price is higher in that, but maybe they can just justify it by saying you're paying for three. But if you want to pay for one concurrent stream, right, you get one access means you can only have it streaming once at a time. Then here you go. Here's a cheaper cost. I Mm. wonder if that would be a better model, less hassle of them having to crack down on people Mm -hmm. to look like big brother tracking people and all of that. Because to me, it's Mm. an issue of like how many people are accessing your service at once. And so, you know, if I pay for Netflix that has, so I have two people in my household. And if I say, I want two concurrent streams because my wife and I may watch two different things and I want that to be able to, to happen. The, the problem people might say is, well, you have two people in two streams. Can you give your your login to someone and tell them whenever I'm not using, you can use it yeah. and all of a sudden things go on. But maybe it's about, forget about households and f- think more about login and location of that login so if i yeah. say my buddy right. alan See, that you was and i, I yeah. yeah you and i share an account because we get two consecutive law or concurrent logins 
but you always have to be in your area. I have to always be in my yeah. area and we can't just pass it along to whoever when we're not using it. Um, so I think that's, you know, that to I me makes a lot more solutions. sense. Well, and again, I'm, I'm not in the Netflix business model. I don't know what yeah. research and data they have to pull from to see what would be the best option. I just know that to go from for so many years, they've been kind of the ones singing the singing the praises mm-hmm. of it's okay to share your passwords. I mean, here's Didn't a tweet actually put, from, oh yeah, that's yeah, right. Back in 2017, love is sharing a password. I mean, yeah, it's just <laughs> they're kind of encouraging it. And now to come up and say, well, okay, now we're going to change it. Right. And unfortunately, changing it in a way I think that's going to be detrimental to families in many, many situations, which again, if you want to keep it within a quote family, whether it's, you know, traditional family or something you call a family, a network of people, um, it starts to really have some, some, some issues with the way they're rolling it out. So, I mean, I guess, you know, not, not to get too much, uh, not to go any further, too much further with it, but it, oh, we don't want to spend part, even more time talking no, about this second story. I'm only two stories in Brian. Well, I told yeah, you ahead. when you yeah, go ahead, go ahead. When you text it. me today and you said I've got like three stories, I was like, "Oh, good. Boy, we've got two hours to uh, talk about this." Great. <laughs> right. But I guess part of it is too, like they're assuming if you have access to Netflix in your house, that TV is now broadcasting to lots of people. You can invite family people over, right? It's like showing a movie that you don't own, that sort of thing. So I could see how there there is some concern that if if you let it go to four different households, that then multiplies by four people each household. And so therefore you're mm-hmm. actually 16 people that are accessing that service instead of four. And so I, I get it, but um, it just seems like they're going to look really bad with this, <laughs> at least initially. And for those of us like you and I, Alan, who I think have been on, I think have been on the edge. I mean, again, Netflix is the first one that I will get rid of. Mm-hmm. If I ch- tell myself I'm going to get rid of something. Um it may push me over there. Now I don't share passwords, so maybe it, it's not necessarily affecting me, but it's more just feels like I just need a reason to yeah. cancel. And maybe this, this is it. it. So, yeah. Well, let me, let it be said, uh, this was posted on some of the other countries' websites, the network, uh, the Netflix site for other countries saying that this is their new policy. It was removed on February 1st, which about was the time they got a whole lot of backlash from mm-hmm. people who were reading. Yeah, about there this. you go. There you go. Now, their finance uh, VP and everybody else has gone on record saying in, in earnings calls, they're going to be taking efforts to make sure people are paying for their subscription, and which means they are cracking down on this kind of thing. Every intention that everybody believes that come March, this will be something that rolls out uh, in the United States and will be active. But as of right now, February 8th, uh, they've kind of retracted a little bit from it. I think they just did that to try to manage some blowback. Uh, yeah, before they roll that out a little, yeah. but they are trying to grow their subscriber base. They have been floundering a bit with subscriber growth in recent quarters. So this is one way they're going to try to tackle it, I think. And uh, we will see. I will say last little plug on Netflix. Uh, even though I'm with you, Netflix is the first service I would cancel if I had to cancel yeah. one. Um, however, if you have not seen all quiet on the Western front, the new version of that mm. on Netflix, it is a Netflix exclusive movie. That is a, wow, that is an impressive movie. That's very, very good. So, uh, cool. It's worth getting uh, Netflix for, it's worth getting Netflix for one month. And then if you want to cancel it after that, go for it. Cool. Okay. Brian, um, geez. Okay. Let me just do one more, one more story. The fourth story I had was really nothing. It really was nothing. Let's just do the third one. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Um, Samsung, you're familiar with Samsung. Um, I am. Smart Things is their 
their home networking platform. Okay. They call it smart things. The only uh, experience I have with smart things is uh, we bought a oven, a Samsung oven about last year. And it does have smart things capable. So it means it is their wife, their uh, home networking protocol. And if you install the smart things app on my iPhone, uh, yes, I can turn on and on off the oven remotely. I can do timers and I can have it notify me and ping me whenever something is done, timers done or something's finished cooking. So I get it. You know, it's, it's their own little protocol for it. But they announced at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show for 2023, that they're kind of introducing a, a smart home hub for smart things. And what they're saying this is going to do is that it is going to interact with your other smart devices on your home network. And this is where, Brian, I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. I cannot quite decipher if this is meant to be a platform that they're rolling out that is going to be competing with HomeKit and Alexa and Google, or is it something where they're bringing out devices and they're opening up their smart things protocol to interact with devices um, on your network, regardless of what platform system they're on. Hmm. This is where I don't know. So basically the press release here is not terribly telling. Uh, I'm interested in this device that they're the home. It's the hub itself is a giant push button. So the hub itself is a controller as well. So basically you plug this hub in, it has push button controls in different corners that you can program to do different things. But they're just basically, I mean, the quote from their uh, head of smart things is, you know, the number of devices in a connected home continues to grow, especially in light of the recent matter standard launch. Again, matter is that more open protocol that many of these home automation devices are going to move to so they can all interact with each other. It says we're proud to play a role in making it easier to embrace this exciting technology. So is it, if it's using matter, which is not really that clear on throughout the rest of the press release, but basically it's meant to, uh, yeah, this, I brought this up mainly because I was just more confused than more read it. I, I, is it saying that it's going to work with other matter devices in your home? Is matter kind of what yeah. this is all based on? And then they're releasing this hub that also acts as a button controller. Looks like you can, you can press different corners of the, of the pad to make different mm-hmm. things happen. Um, well, okay. So here's my, here's I'm my concern confused. with this, right? Because the purpose of matter, which we've talked about before was to try to develop a standard, right? A standard that <clears throat> all of these companies could be built off of so that therefore there would be functionality between them, um, what, what I'm wondering is them suggesting that these will maybe be able to control matter, maybe is suggesting that they are continuing to keep their own proprietary connection, but they're adding matter elements to it. So like you, you could buy into this and as long as you have smart things, you can also then put in lots of other things based on matter as opposed to the reverse. That would be my concern is that there's a, saying, well, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to get the best of both worlds. We're going to make you have our stuff to control our things. 
But our things, if you have our things, will also allow you then with a hub to go and control your lights and your other things that you already have because we'll yeah. tap into matter. That that's would be really I'm frustrating if it was the case because that's that seems completely counterintuitive to what this whole matter project is supposed to be about, right? Is like they're tapping into it to use it, but not necessarily to let other people use their stuff. Again, maybe not knowing. Yeah. I haven't read this either. Um, and that would be uh, that would be my concern. Um, well, my guess is is that they are only using this with matter devices, devices that are certified as matter compatible home devices. That is my prediction. They mentioned matter twice in this press release. They say the smart thing station offers quick setup and compatibility with a r- range of smart home products, including matter devices. Yeah. So my thinking okay. is they they release some of their appliances with smart things technology in it. You can control that from this this hub. Other devices on your network that are matter compatible, they can also allow you to control from the Okay. Yep. That is what I'm taking away from it. So in other words, it, it basically becomes any other like any other smart home platform at that point. Um well, and maybe that's what maybe that's the case, right? Maybe that's what a lot of companies are going to have to do. I mean, let's think about. Um, so, you know, I have I have things for Wise throughout my my uh, my house, and you know, we already talked about it. It doesn't work with HomeKit, mm-hmm. right? So, would it be would it make sense for Wise to then put out a hub that allows you to control all the things that wise already has, but also has matter to it. So it becomes kind of a, a go between, right? So the idea it's almost like what, um, what, what Alan, what's the, uh, the software is at Homebridge? Yeah. Homebridge. It's kind mm-hmm. of like Homebridge saying, Hey, listen, we don't want you to have to get rid of everything you have through us, but we also want you to be able to use these new things. Because if you think about it, you know, if matter comes out and all these things that only have matter capabilities are the new things, most of us get really nervous because I think I'm going to have to get rid of everything I have in my house, start with matter now, and therefore build on so that I get, you know, the use of all it in the future. But if this is saying you already have smart thing, smart things items, and they are not matter compatible, we are putting out a hub that becomes your matter go between that says as long as you have the hub it can control your other things and it can control the smart things you already have so those mm-hmm. smart things don't have to be matter compatible this is the go between that is matter sending yeah. a different signal it's like um yeah. you know having a an rf rf controller of your you know uh tv and also wi-fi it's saying wi-fi is going to be the control but then we'll also send the rf to the old device yeah. right i'm hoping that's what it's doing well, that here, would be here's, great. That'd be great. I actually, these little oh, tiny numbers. Did you actually that, read it now? These okay. little numbers uh, that are pop up throughout an article actually correspond with notes at the bottom, which, you know, I didn't know if <laughs> anybody knew that or not. <laughs> I mean, um, and you're so the, read them? I, <laughs> the item here says users may also choose the option to efficiently onboard devices with a simple scan of a QR code with a smartphone camera. Down below at the three, it says only for matter devices with a QR code. Okay. So in other words, yes, I think we're right in the way we're describing it now. Okay. This will work with all of your, quote, smart things devices if you own any in your home. My oven, smart things device, if I got this hub, I could control the oven from this hub like easily. However, if I have matter equipped 
home devices anywhere in my home, I can set them up through this using the code that you have to scan on the device itself. And then I can control it through the same platform. Yep. So I could choose to be a smart things user instead of a home kit user or instead of a Alexa user. If I'm using all devices that are matter compatible or native to smart things. Okay. And, and this is what I hope most companies are going to do. Yeah. And this matter is, this becomes is, the this is the reason. Yeah. This is the reason that most companies could still make money and not lose you. So for example, you know, if you are, I mean, I want to, I want to say wise again, but just some random company that has their own, maybe they've done Alexa over the years, but they haven't done uh home kit. I think the concern with a lot of those companies and why a lot of them maybe push back on matter originally was like, wait a minute, if you start putting out new stuff, that's only going to work. We're going to lose the people that we have locked into our system because they're going to say, well, if I'm going to buy new stuff, I'll go and buy Apple stuff, or I'll go buy, you know, whoever Google stuff, because there's more things. Yeah. But if you can tell them, you know what, we're going to, we're going to give you one device that's going to be backwards compatible with all the things you have and forwards mm -hmm. compatible. It's going to be your hub. That is your go between. So you don't have to get rid of what you have. Now that stuff won't work with, you know, HomeKit won't necessarily be able to pop and work those, directly without the hub it's not like you're updating those things but you're getting a go-between right so if wise puts out a hub that says the hub is matter compatible and it's going to also be backwards compatible with all our old stuff now we're talking right well now we're talking I mean, i'll pay, I'll pay 50 bucks more for that yeah on HomeKit, i mean an apple tv or a home pod are home kit hubs even an right. ipad is <clears throat> So my understanding and belief would be is that any legacy HomeKit devices that are connected to HomeKit, I will still be able to control and use no matter what. But when Matter is upgraded to these devices, which the new version of the home architecture is supposed to be released any day, they actually released it for a short period of time on HomeKit like months ago, and they immediately pulled it like within hours or a day. So it's supposed to be where it upgrades your home technology to be matter compatible. When that happens, then I should be able to control matter devices, right. regardless of their home kit status with my current home kit environment. So it's the same idea. Devices right. that were home kit compatible right. are still compatible with home kit. It's just now I've opened the doors to all this matter compatible devices. Yes. Yes. So smart things is if they're doing just the same thing, they're saying, yep, it's our smart things, everything smart things we control, but we're also going to control matter stuff because it's out there and right. you can add it. Okay. Yeah. But the big difference is with the Apple TV, just to make sure people are clear, just because your Apple TV gets an update to where it is matter compatible doesn't now mean it's compatible with old Alexa stuff that was not oh, no, no, compatible, no. right? Yeah, it's yeah. not, it's not going to become backwards compatible. It's going no. to open up your compatibility. It's not going to be and backwards compatible with other platforms. It's going to be, right. it's still backwards compatible with your own platform. Yep. HomeKit, for example, but it will not go into um, Google home devices that are not matter compatible for right. the past. You won't be able to touch those or work. That's, that's where I'm hoping that Amazon and Google and, Nest and Wise and all these companies that have their own 
setup and want to go with matter in the future, I'm hoping they do exactly what I'm thinking Samsung is doing right here, which is we'll give you a go-between. So you don't have to get rid of all your old devices. And some of them I think are probably not going to do it. I mean, I guess I would I would ask the question, would a company like Wise want to do a $30 or $50 hub that would control all your old devices? Or would they just prefer for you to know that everything you buy going forward, so they want you to buy a more mm, up-to-date camera, yeah. an up-to-date whatever? Like, does it make sense for them to keep legacy items in place? I could see how smart Samsung would because they're like, we're not going to make you go buy another stove. <laughs> Right? Well, and, we're not going to make and, you and buy stoves, another fridge, right? And people don't go out and buy a new stove every 18 months like exactly. they do other devices. Right. So yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think this this is going to be a question of whether people are going to choose the route of our new stuff is so much better. Mm-hmm. Go buy our new stuff and replace everything or we'll give you a go between because we want to keep you in our ecosystem and still try to keep you buying our new stuff in the future. So that'll be an interesting development. Um uh, that's gonna I go. agree. Absolutely. So, Brian, um, I'm ditching our fourth news okay. item just because it, there's nothing to it. We can talk about it at a later date when more information comes out. Uh, the last thing I was going to mention before I want to, uh, yeah, we're, I just want to mention this really quickly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we're going to be very quick on this, I promise. Yeah. So, they release an update to HomePod. And uh, HomePod Mini and HomePod uh, Classic, Max, whatever that whatever big one large. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the big one. Um, a new version of the HomePod software that did something kind of interesting. I mean, first off, they released a new HomePod. Yeah, the larger one. They brought that back from the dead, didn't they? Very yep. weird because they had kind of discontinued it before. Uh, the price is a little lower than it was originally when they released it. Uh, I've heard sound is really not any different. Sounds still just as good. So we'll see if maybe people are ripe to buy it now. But something that was kind of interesting with it is they actually turned on a capability, which I would not have expected, uh, on the HomePod minis and now these new HomePod, the large version. They have a temperature and humidity sensor inside the HomePods. Mm-hmm. So what that means now is that if you have your HomePod, HomePod mini or a new HomePod large size in your home app. If you've got it, if you're using HomeKit and you're, you're, you're viewing your HomePod there, you now have a temperature wherever that HomePod mini is located. So currently yeah. I've got two of them in my house. So I can now pull up temperature from the kitchen where we have one. And then another room in the house where I have the other one and see those temperatures and see humidity in those areas. Well, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. So, and, and what it does in the home kit, um, let me see if I can show it here. Hold on. Yeah. So here we go. I'll show this. Uh, let me, let me share this. Um, yeah. So this is my home kit app on my computer. Uh, I've gone to a tab called climate, which what it does is it's now showing me there is a temperature gauge and I've got a range of humidity and I'll tell you why I've got a range of humidity. So temperature, if I clicked on temperature, Oh, I got to click over here. Okay. You're not seeing the pop-up window, unfortunately, but the pop-up is reminding me that yes, the room it is in is the kitchen. So it is my kitchen home pod and it is my temperature sensor and it's showing me what it is. Now 
humidity you see has a range 39 to 42%. That's because there are two different places I've got humidity readings and it's giving me a range and saying, Hey, between the two places where you've got home pods, the, the humidity range is ranges from 39 to 42%. So if I were to click on it, I get a pop-up. You can't see it, unfortunately. And it's showing me in the kitchen, humidity sensors, 42%. Basements, 39%. And that's because the home pods are picking those up. So it was just a software update. So any HomePod minis or the newest HomePod large version have those sensors built in and they basically become activated. So I think it's pretty nice. I mean, it's just another source of data yeah. from these devices. So um, just why do you FYI think, why do you think they had them? Why do you think they had them in the begin with? Was it toward this goal or do you think it was to monitor the health of where you put these things for someone that hmm. puts it in a bad place? It's like, Hey, by the way, this isn't going to perform very well. Yeah, it's possible. I just assume just because they're so that. small, I figure people might put them in random places and it needs to notice, notify like this is not a good place mm. for this. I don't know. I, I hadn't thought about that. That's, that's a good idea. Um, I just kind of assume that it's one of those things where when you engineer these things, you say, okay, what, what else can go in here? What else yeah. size and sensors could be useful in the future? We may not be ready software wise or anything like that to promote it. And maybe it's something we turn on as a sales boost in the future to kind of say, hey, yeah. by the way, if you buy a HomeKit Pod Mini, you can now do this. Um, and they just have to flip a switch to activate those. Do but regardless, a, I, I, you, I love that it's there now. Do you have a, a smart thermostat? No. So what would be interesting is to know whether you can use these as remote sensors for that th- smart thermostat when you, if oh. you have one. To say, listen, I have mm. one upstairs, I have one downstairs, please use the average of those. Like I do with my Ecobee, yeah. <clears throat> I have two little remote sensors and it's I just tell it, use the average. One's up top, one's down below. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That could be. And if no, you can't we'll- do it automatically, I am sure that you could do it with kind of if, then, then that or automation yeah. that says, look at that. And if that's below this, change our thermostat. To this, I, would, right? I would definitely think the automation architecture, shortcut yeah. architecture in iOS would allow you to do that, create a shortcut to look up, especially from an Apple branded device, its temperature and humidity sensor and use that as a trigger for something else. So interesting. Hmm. Brian, that is all the general news items I've got. I I wanted to do one last thing before we, we break though. Um, I want to get an update on your setup right now, because I know that you've been kind of making some enhancements to your desk workspace set up and I'd, I'd kind of like to um, look I'm, I'm doing a little comparison I'm, I'm doing a little kind of what's Brian doing and is it anything I should be doing and I can maybe do it better that's that's really where I am with it okay or maybe I'm just going to walk away being very jealous I don't know but um, I'm kind of curious I know we talked a few weeks ago you were working on some updates I've only done one update to my space and that is a new microphone boom arm that I think I talked about in a previous episode but really happy with it, but that's all I've got to share. So what, what do you, what do you have going on right now? Anything you want to share with us? And let me, show me? let me share Alan. Um, okay. Let me figure out how I can share easily here without driving you nuts. Um, yeah. So my, my, I will say my, uh, my desk is coming along quite well. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, there's a number of things that I, kind of am uh well not regretting but i would do a little differently if money was not an issue 
Um, so I'm going to show you. Let me let me share with mm -hmm. you. Now I'll step back here. Here is my here is my desk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's walk through here really quickly some of the things. Uh, yeah. You'll see a new mic arm. Okay, which has a it's an Elgato mic arm that yep. I have put back on the back of my desk. Yep. Hopefully you can hear me now that I'm further away from the mic. Yeah, we can hear you fine. Okay. Um, wireless keyboard. Sure. Okay. Ended up doing the wireless to try to get some wires out of the way. Uh, I already had a touchpad, um, which I will tell people if you're interested in doing standing desk options, that is to me a must because usually standing desk options means you have a lot less uh, desk space to work with for a mouse, mm -hmm. or at least I mm -hmm. was. Um, so touchpad was helpful because then I don't need additional uh, floor space to, to work with. Mm -hmm. sure. um, you can see my monitor, which we have gone over before. Uh, that is the ultra wide monitor, the 35 inch, um, which has been great. Um, by the way, that's just a light back in the back that I have turned towards. I've realized mm -hmm. that turning the light toward the wall provides a better diffusion rather than putting it directly in my face. Um, probably my favorite part of all this, though, I'm going to reach down. I see if I can do this one-handed. Oh, so here, here is my standing version of the, the desk. Mm. Um, I do have a little platform that kind of sits up about here that I pull from under my desk, put my keyboard and my mouse on um, to allow me to, uh, to stand and work. Um, now, Brian, so, so that, that, that monitor arm that, yeah. you're, that you're using, that was not something that came as part of the ultra wide monitor. That was something no. special you, you got as a hydraulic looking Correct. thing, right? Okay. Correct. Yeah. And you can see it's from the company Vivo. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vivo. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I bought a, a, a fairly hefty stand. This is a stand that's probably is a lot more in terms of weight capacity than I need. Uh, I believe my my monitor is about 15 pounds, and I think this is rated for maybe even 30 pounds or something. But I got nervous about being on the border and making sure that I had enough. So, but this has been really nice. You know, you can tighten it up and tell it it's got the ability to, if I wanted to, I could tilt, you know, certain uh, mm. ways I could go vertical with it. I think if I wanted to, I can certainly tilt forward and back. Um, so yeah, this has been really nice. Um, nice. Oop, we lost your audio, by the way. Yeah, Brian is now silent, which everybody let's enjoy this for a little while. Just kind of enjoy the moment. Enjoy the silence of Brian not talking. Are you back, Brian? He is not back. No. Huh. So this is this is what it would be like if it was just me talking on the show. And I hear everybody at home. I hear you. I see the comments pouring in. Everybody's loving this. Can you this hear is, me now? Oh, there we go. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> so so did you understand everything I just said for the last uh, 30 seconds? Yeah, no, we got, got you up to the point where bit. you brought that when you brought the monitor back down. Uh, I think I must have hit something yeah. with the mic and I changed back to my AirPods here. So sure. by the way, that, yeah. that's going to be a little different. Uh, but what I did want to say is that the only of all of this, and you know, Alan, I'm a big fan of used equipment. Yes. Because um, I think there's a lot of it out there. The only thing that you see here that was new was the monitor arm. 
Everything the monitor else, arm is the only thing new. Yeah. Microphone arm, you got used. Microphone the monitor arm, came itself. With the microphone. Yep. Monitor itself, you got used. Yep. Um, yep. The keyboard cool. and uh, yeah. So this this has been really good. I'm pretty. You're I'm you're happy with your with setup, it. right? I'm pretty happy with it. Um, cool. I would say. Oh, you're back. Okay. I would say the only thing I'm not completely thrilled with is. Um, I think we talked about it before. This monitor, which I love, I love the image. I love kind of the, the the size of it. What I'm not happy about is that I was excited that potentially it had the ability of doing split screen with mm-hmm. an ex, another device, and I can't get that to work very effectively yet. Um, but that is, but a, I'm hoping that's a software thing. Well, yeah. That's a Mac OS sim- I think system so. issue between the manufacturer and. I think so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and I just don't know how high it is on their priority list to fix it. Yeah, you know. But regardless, I do have a, another device over here, another machine that I have connected, and I can just switch the input to go from one to the other. Um, but yeah, in terms of the the setup, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I think it's it's worthy. I did want to get the monitor or the microphone arm that you had. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I really love that. The low profile against the wall. This one is not as low profile. I have to kind of tuck it away a little differently. The problem was that I didn't want, I didn't have the space cleared out between the arm and where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, it wasn't a clear, I had a lamp here, I had all these things and I just didn't feel like I was going to be able to do that. So, uh, but for the most part, pretty happy with it. Um, I think it's going to work pretty well. Um, I don't know of anything else that I need right now. Um, so yeah, so far so good. Good. Yeah. I am jealous of the monitor. I'm jealous of the monitor arm. Those are both very nice. Um, so I'm going to consider, I mean, I am looking at what I do monitor wise. Eventually I've got, you know, still my one external monitor and I use my laptop monitor as my kind of main driver. I'm just so used to it. I've got plenty of space for a second monitor or, going with a much wider single ultra wide kind of in the middle. So I have to kind of look at that. I don't have the depth or room for any kind of moving the height of the monitor here at my house. I'm very limited by this desk I'm built into, but in my office setup, I I am planning on moving to a a standing desk some point soon and want to make sure I've got kind of a good, good system for doing that. So I like your setup. It's great. Very nice. Very clean. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. You can hear me. We can hear you, unfortunately. Good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a challenge. I, uh, I'm getting all sorts of different cues here. So just goes yeah. to show you when you're on a podcast, don't move around your monitor and all your peripherals yeah. while you're doing it. So Probably a good rule of thumb, but uh, <laughs> we're all about breaking rules here on Brothers in Tech. Just like our rule of we try to go under an hour and we never, we never do that. We break that every single week. Um, and yeah, today's episode was just a kind of a grab bag of a lot of stuff, news items, catching up on some personal projects. We will be coming back soon next week with uh, either another topic of interest or maybe we, uh, I don't know where we are in doing some more recommendations or some other things. I mean, we kind We're of put recommendations in every week anyway, but um, yeah. yeah, we'll have something good to talk about here in the coming weeks for sure. But uh, as again, this is Brothers in Tech. This is us talking home, personal, family technology, uh, things you can use every day. We like talking about it, and we hope you got something out of it as well. Brian, if anybody wants to chime in, give their own feedback, maybe shed some light on a couple of these news stories we were talking about, their own takes on it, 
we'd love to hear them. How could they, uh, how can they get a hold of us? Yeah. So send us an email at info at the mesh.tv. If you've had Netflix uh, police come to your house so far and uh, tell you that you can't use your accounts anymore, uh, send us an email and we'll, uh, We'll talk about it on uh, on air. You can also go to our website, www.brothers-n-tech.com. All right. That'll do it for today. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening to us in our weekly brother get-together chat. And uh, we will look forward to talking to everybody next time. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.